Welcome back to Live Laugh Lorazepam, episode six. Um, today we'll be discussing grief in all of its stages um, to commemorate Suicide Awareness Month, which is this month, September. So to start us out, we're going to chat about the new National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, that number used to be like 1-800-273-TALK. And now they've simplified it to 988. Um, at the moment, it is nationally wide in the U.S. only. Um, and they will connect you to a crisis counselor. And you can text them as well. Um, it is important to note, though, that they only have texting available in English at this time. Um, but as far as um, calling the 988 number, these calls are confidential. Uh, and it's being sort of widely shared so that people know that they can call on behalf of themselves or they can call on behalf of a friend or a family member um, and speak to a crisis counselor who can walk them through whatever situation is happening. Um, so that is a resource that Julie and I really wanted to highlight during this month specifically and specifically following the uh, National Suicide Prevention Week, which was September 4th through the 10th. Um, so that's 988. You can text, you can call, you can call from a landline, a cell phone. They have an online chat feature. Um, and that's a resource that everyone should really know um, and share with their friends and family. It's really, um, it's weird to say this is exciting, but it is exciting that there is now a three-digit number that they that we can text and call. For sure, yeah. Because when you're in that spot, like 911, like you they're not fully trained to help in that situation. They could be the people depends on who's on the other line, but the people answering this phone, the phone or the text message will get you in touch with someone who is specifically trained to walk you through these moments. Yeah. These crisis counselors are, are trained in ways to communicate in ways to deescalate a situation. Um, and if, if needed, they, are connected to the resources to send someone out um, and help you in person. But a lot of times, like someone just, a lot of times people call the number because they just need to know someone's there, someone's on the other end. And so these crisis counselors are um, highly trained and usually have like a connection to like the mental health community in general. Um, and so it's it's so exciting. It's such a you're right. It's a weird word to use, exciting, but it is so exciting to have a number now so readily available. And I also think that text feature is going to be huge for like teenagers. Um, for for me, like yeah, I mean, like, if I was in that spot then, like I think I mean now that those textings available, I hate phone calls. I'm so like that makes me more anxious. So like, mm -hmm. holy crap! I can log online and chat, or I can text from my phone. And someone can walk me through it. Like, yeah. Walk me through. That sounds one word. Help me. That yes. Help yeah. Me. Help you. That works. And it's it's also like worth noting that the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, like this isn't new. Like this has been around for a very long time. So this isn't just like slapped together uh, three digit number, like slapped together team of people. This is like these people, these crisis counselors have been helping for a long time.
time. They are trained. They know what they're doing. They have experience in this. And a lot of them, I believe, I believe, at least in the beginning, were volunteers too. So it's people who care. It's not someone who's just there for a paycheck. They care. Yeah. Um, and they wouldn't be doing this job if they didn't. Um, so if you do need that number, please, please, it is available. 988, like Abby said, call, text, chat. They are there. So for the rest of our episode, we wanted to kind of focus on grief. Um, that's a huge topic. I honestly think we could do like an eight-part series on grief and each delving into yeah each stage of processing. Um, but we want we wanted to talk about it in this month specifically to discuss um, sort of how when you are experiencing grief while also dealing with mental health issues like on a regular basis, how those two things can interact, um, exacerbate each other. Um, and what we do to sort of counteract when we're having these like really strong emotional responses to losing someone. Um, so we're going to talk about processing. We're going to talk about, you know, the anger, the guilt, sort of the questioning that you have, all those what if questions. Um, and then we're going to try our best to end on, you know, that lighter note of like acceptance of making peace with it, of moving forward, of seeing the silver lining. Um, and talk a little bit about our own experiences as well as sort of sharing the coping mechanisms that we find work for us. Um, and then we would love to hear from you all listeners to, to know what works for you when you're feeling particularly down or when you've lost someone, because it could help someone else listening. I have to say very well said because my notes did not say enough <laughs> and I'm really glad you took over to say that. Um, I can't go. I can never dive right in and be serious. Okay. Grief. Should I dive into my most recent grief? Just go from there. Yeah. Let's, let's rip the bandaid off. Let's, let's talk about We've alluded to the fact that you've had a few tough weeks. Yes. Um, you had COVID. You've been really busy. We should sort of also talk about the elephant in the room, what else happened, and address it. So sadly and surprisingly really fast, my dog Duncan um, was incredibly sick, and we had to put him down. Um, and it sucked big time. Yeah. Um, but. It, it so like Abby said alluded to like how crazy my August was but um yeah so you know you guys have heard me talk about Duncan we talked about I think it was the first episode where we're like Abby didn't like Duncan and then oh oh my, I know right I know we're like and I was talking about how picking him up and stuff and calling him my old man and now he's not here and like there's a basket of his toys sitting across the room there's his bed on the other side of the room um I miss my dog, um, but I'm so I'll just uh, I was going to say, like, I'm glad he's not suffering, but we'll get into that. Um, for me, grief with Duncan, and I'm honestly surprised I'm not bawling my eyes out right now. Um, Duncan was sick on a Thursday. He just seemed he was down and like he wouldn't leave a certain room in my house. Uh, and I brought up to my mom. I was like, hey, he doesn't look good. And she's like, oh, he just. Just tired. Next day, he didn't look good. And, like, he's had, he's been, like, had times, like, dogs get colds and stuff, so we're like, oh, it's okay. I'm, 
he was 11, almost 12, um, which he is, he was a mutt too. So he should have had a longer life. We don't know what happened. Um, by Monday, I made the call that I was like, we like, it's vet time. Um, I called around, um, to his network of vets and finally found someone to take us in. Um, and Duncan has always been a dog that was petrified of the vet. Um, as a dog that always had to be there because he had serious allergies. Um, and we just took care of, like, we made sure to take care of him. Like, he got his teeth cleaned and checked and everything. Uh, but he would shake like crazy. Um, and he wasn't shaking. And I knew the second the doctor came back in the room after I took him back that it wasn't the news I wanted to hear. Um, it's probably one of the most exhausting days I've had. We had to go from one vet to the next to the next trying to get, um, an ultrasound because they thought he was bleeding internally, um, or had just cancer like throughout his system. They couldn't give us an answer. Uh, we finally found someone, um, and they told us that his lungs were either full of tumors or full of fluid. They couldn't officially tell us. And that was probably the worst news of my life. Um, my boy, I'm just picturing myself in the room. Um, and she told us, like, she was very nice. Like, pr honestly, probably the best vet I could have gone to for this. Um, she was like, we can try these things, but he could also die while we try these things. So if you want to take him home um, and just enjoy what you have. Um, and we did. We took him home. Um, the next day, every single person in my family came over to say goodbye. I have so many pictures. Um, Duncan used to do this thing when the phone rang. Have, were you here for that ever? He would howl when the phone rang. Oh, yeah. He did it on his last day. And we're all crying. And then my nephew looks up and goes, he's sitting with him. He goes, why is everyone crying but me? <laughs> um. And we just, that made us die laughing because he was just like, he knew what was happening. He knew we had yeah. to say goodbye. Um, but like the innocence of a child. It was, it was honestly, it was perfect. It was like, just because we love Duncan. Um, and, and Duncan wasn't just a dog. I think for a lot of people who like aren't animal lovers or don't have animals and I, like up until recently, I would put myself in that category, like. He was a part of your family. Like every, I remember meeting him when I met you and like. Scratch that. I got him senior of high school. Right. Cause it was Sasha first. Yes. And then meeting him though. Like I, I remember it. And because I'm like introducing you to my child or like. Yeah. You're like, this is, this, this is, is my, my brother. Yeah. yeah like this it wasn't, it was it wasn't just like, oh, that's our dog. It, it was like a very intentional introduction. And it became obvious that like, oh, okay, he's a member of the family. And so like, I'm not surprised to hear that your whole family came together on that day to like spend time with him. Like none of that surprises me. He, he did, honestly, because all his favorite people were there. Well, almost all his favorite people were there. And... 
we did like I was making sure to do things with him for my own self because I was like I was grieving already and I think I grieved more that day than I was allowed to afterwards um and I'll get to the allowed to part like allowed myself um but bawled my eyes out that day um and just wasn't ready to say goodbye um and we actually brought him in that night um and that's a memory that's really hard to get out of my head um because I will always stay with my dog until the very end. I will n- not allow them to be taken in alone. Or like that, like I want to be there and make sure they know they're not alone. Um, and that was, now I'm going to start crying. That was hard. Um, and I've done it before um, with Sasha, my, um, my last dog. Um, but this one felt different because I've had him since he was a puppy. Um, (laughs) sorry. Um, but my boy, yeah, so we lost Duncan. Um, and I won't continue to ramble on about all the stuff we did that day. Um, but immediately following losing Duncan, I had to put on a happy face and fly to Austin, Texas to celebrate my sister's bachelorette party, which I was super excited for until my dog got sick um but I had to shut off all my emotions so like I grieved before I lost him grieved that night and then the next morning and then I immediately had to shift into get everything ready yeah I mean you you had a you had a job to do essentially and like there was no time to grieve no there was Um, so yeah, I had to immediately go to Austin. Um, and I did have a great time in Austin. I really like, I love celebrating my sister. We were with all her friends, our cousins, um, our future brother-in-law and our sister-in-law. Like we were, we were having a great time and I was able like, I am in such a steady place mentally that I, I think I was able to like shut it off. Um. But then I was talking to my dad on FaceTime Mm. and my dad goes, guess what showed up today? And I'm like, gosh, what dad? Oh no. And he's like, Duncan's ashes. I'm like, dad, I'm in Austin, Texas, trying not to think about my dead dog. Right. And there it is. Smack you in the face with the information. And I lost it. Just started. But I was like, dad, like, nope, bye. And he didn't mean to. He would. My dad is also struggling with this. Um, For sure. And my dad didn't think it was going to be this hard on him. Actually, Um, if my dad would be someone who would come on our podcast, I would want him to talk about grief. But my dad would never. Um, Everyone processes it differently, too. My dad. Sorry, I'm going to say this because he's not going to listen. My dad with grief, with Duncan, some reason it made him not shut up. It could have also been then that mm. I was incredibly anxious and sad once I got home and stuff, but he wouldn't shut up. And I was like, can you just stop talking for once? Yeah, like, stop. I need a minute. And I was like, just stop. But it was, that's his way of grieving. Um, but I think that's, like, important to highlight that, like, everyone grieves in different ways. Like, some people need to be distracted, so maybe a weekend to Austin would have been, like, the perfect thing after losing someone so close to them. But, like, for other people, 
like I need to process what's happened. Yeah, and it wasn't a good thing for me. Yeah, like I don't know if I would have been able to do that and kept a smile on my face and been as like on and jolly as you were that week and like helpful and I don't know if I would have been able to do that. So like the fact that you were able to get through it is like huge, but also it sort of delayed your own grieving process. Yeah, and I think it made so uh, uh Duncan losing Duncan Austin came home from Austin immediately was sick with COVID and I was too sick to grieve. So I was shut off for like two weeks from losing him that I could not grieve. Yeah. Um, And like, I did cry and have little, like little, like let myself feel a little bit, but I can like most of the time was just don't like when I was sick, I couldn't think of anything, but like in Austin, I was, I was just shut off. And I think that led me faster to the other stages of grief, um, grief, which a big one for me right now is guilt. Um, I feel like I have, I never grieved enough. Um, and I actually, I'll, my mom and I talk about this. I'm like, I didn't, I don't think I cried enough to like that dog, he, he's family. He's my boy. And I'm like, what? I'm like, there's no specific amount of time to cry. No, there's but not. In my head, I'm like, I did not grieve enough for my best buddy. Um, and the guilt of like, you're having fun or you're doing something and you're enjoying yourself and you're alive and then remembering that he's gone and then you feel guilty for having fun because you're not grieving in the quote unquote way you're supposed to in which there's no way to that you're supposed to grieve but it can 100% feel that way yeah and even now like oh my god it's been over a month now without him and I still like talking about now feel guilty. I'm like, I, I think there's going to be a point when I just break down and cry for a week. Um, but I've been so still so busy that I, I don't think I have. Um, we talked about this uh, two nights ago. Um, it's like phantom dog. Like there's so many things yeah. like he should be there and I expect him to be there. And um, one day when I was, I quarantined in my, my family room in the basement, um, when I had COVID and I heard a noise upstairs and it sounded exactly like Duncan jumping off my parents' bed. Uh, that was one moment I absolutely lost it and I couldn't go upstairs for a hug, um, because no one could be around me. And I just sat here sobbing Mm. Um, and I actually called my parents, even though they were right upstairs. Uh, and they probably couldn't make out anything I said. Um, but yeah, that I think I'm still in the guilt. Um, and this is really weird, but anytime I would get up and like, I was working from home the days this happened. And then when I came back, um, um, and after I was okay enough to work again, um, and anytime I went to the bathroom and came back out and opened the door, he was always there at the door. So I felt like it like reset my grief. Like I would have an immediate sad moment. Mm. it's just like opening the door to him not being there i'd be like oh we just kept saying fuck like that's what we just kept saying over and over again we my mom and i get mad um i talked about this in an episode before like i when i was really depressed i wanted to punch things but i wouldn't i got that same exact feeling i wanted to hit every flipping wall um i did the other night walking into the house because i was like he's not there and i just hit the door frame um not hard 
But I was just like, because I said the again, which is my mom and I just say fuck, and we just want to hit something. Um, yeah, you're you're a lover, not a fighter, though. Your your hit is like a little knuckle wrap on the door. <laughs> tap tap. Um, but I'm not I'm not gonna like continue um too much. Like I'm sure later on this conversation I'll mention more things. But yeah, my for me, I'm still in the the guilt, um, working on the acceptance, but that's gonna take some time. Um, yeah, it won't happen overnight. It just it doesn't, and you're gonna like, grieve in waves like it's just it's gonna come and go you're gonna feel fine one day and then you're gonna feel like absolute shit the next day and is it weird like i sitting here like i'm mad at myself for not crying now i'm like how am i not crying no because then... i because grief is like such a personal thing so like like you said you're you're talking about it and we're really getting into it right now and you're not crying but the next time you go to the bathroom you're going to open the door and there's going to be this like memory click and you're going to start sobbing in the door of your bathroom for no reason and so like it's not rational grief is not a rational no. thing and like and I still feel like I have a yeah. wall like talking now I'm like I am I don't want it to be there like I in my inside of me the episode when I said Julie needs to Julie needs to cry I feel like that now but I can't like I feel like I need yeah. There's something inside of me that just needs to be released and let me fully grieve. I need the sadness to come out. And honestly, it might not happen until you're listening to a certain song or you're like doing a certain thing that you used to do with him and then it'll click. And, and that might not happen for a month or a year or whatever. Like there is no timeline for this stuff. I think the first time it snows this season, this fall, winter, I will lose it. But yeah, no, you're right. There's no way to grieve. Um. But I, I will say it. I was very grateful that Dunk and I like buried our hatchet. We, you guys so, snuggled the last time you were together. You <laughs> snuggled and there's a picture and I'm going to make Abby post it. So for for everyone listening, like Duncan and I never got along ever. And that was not a secret. Like I was super upfront with Julie about it. Like, look, Dunk and I were not best friends. Like... It just is the way it is. We tolerated each other. I came over and we stared at each other and just kind of like made eyes. Um, the last time I saw him, just a, a, what, a few days before he passed, um, we were at uh, Julie's brother's house and we were hanging out and Dunk climbed up on the couch and we cuddled. Like we full on snuggled. And I was like, what is happening? Like, But at first he was turn. pissed at you. At first, he was like, look, because Duncan needs his spot on the couch. I he took his blanket. spot. Abby didn't pick a side of the couch. He kind of sat in the middle of the couch. And he was like, <laughs> where do I go? And he kept looking. And then he, oh, he scratched and made his bed in the blanket next to you. Yes, yeah, like, it's so cute. I That made me so happy. I immediately sent the picture to Abby's husband. And was like, Duncan won her over. He did. And also, like, I was like, yes, this been this soft this whole time like I was like mm -hmm. learning about the dog right then and there in that moment for the first time <laughs> he's always been that soft he was always that stinky because he was a dog that lived in the woods basically because <laughs> we live in the woods um yeah you missed out man some love that dog he was I am grateful for that moment I though I am grateful for that moment he became very cuddly as he grew older which I'm very thankful for um, but yeah, that's my, that's my recent grief. Um, and I'm handling it in waves. Um, I'm looking at Abby right now through a computer screen and I can like see like your eyes welling up. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and if you need to stop at any point, we can. Thank you. Yeah, so I think, I mean, grief is one of those things that everyone experiences. You would have to live, like, in a hole and not talk to anyone if you, and even then you'd probably still experience your own type of grief. But um, it is one of those things that it's going to happen at points in your life and you just hope that you're, like, prepared for it or to process it. And um, a few months ago, I lost um, someone who was, like, an aunt to me. Uh, she was like a mentor to me as an artist, huge supporter of my work and just like always there. Um, her name was Kelly. She was really good friends with my mom. Um, and it was a very sudden loss. Um, she passed away one night and I found out the next morning I was supposed to like spend the day with her and my mom that day. And so my mom called me and I got the news and she was, um, just about to turn 60 years old. So she was young, like young, still had a lot of life to live. She had two kids, like very involved in our town, um, art community and historical community. Um, and that loss was like kind of unreal. And I specifically wanted to talk about her because I also wanted to like dovetail it into loss that we have felt during COVID and like while in quarantine. Um, because I'm having a little bit of trouble making it feel real. Um, and I think that a lot of people who have lost someone during this time can probably relate to that after going so long, not seeing people and then not seeing people for long stretches of time, not seeing Kelly right now almost feels like par for the course. I'm like, Oh yeah, like we're just busy. I'll run into her at my mom's. Um, and I have to like kind of keep reminding myself that like, she's not going to be there. Um, I'm not going to run into her later on. I'm not going to go four months without seeing her and then meet up and have brunch or something. Um, and so it, it can feel a little weird to lose someone when you, when you don't see them every day or haven't seen them in a while, because it can sort of feel like nothing happened because there's no, there is no moment of like standing in the bathroom door and like having like a daily reminder of like, oh, that that person that I was connected to is gone. Like I didn't see Kelly in my own house. So I'm not re like realizing her absence while I'm here. It's in very like strange pace places around town or when I'm with my mom or um, when we're at the brunch place that the three of us used to go. And so it's a little, it's a little strange. It also didn't feel real like when it happened. Um, and her service was beautiful. That was like a, the whole town showed up. I mean, there was standing room only. It was very emotional, but very inspiring. And there were amazing stories of Kelly, like just being the light of people's worlds. Um, and I wanted to bring her up just because like, I am having a hard time processing that I am like having a lot of like questions. So yeah, I'm having I'm having a bit of a hard time processing. I'm having a bit of a hard time uh coming to terms with the fact that she's gone. Um she was a very much like behind the scenes sort of person with a lot of events and a lot of organizations around town that I um have volunteered with. And so I didn't automatically see her everywhere. Um 
and so sometimes it's in those moments where I'm I'm at an art association gallery show or something and then I'm like looking for her I'm literally looking around like oh where is she and then there's like almost a, a like a realization like oh it like slaps you in the face again yeah and it kind of it's like another like hit and you're kind of like okay right right um and then all the implications that come with her being gone so I definitely am having a little bit of, you know, guilt for not reaching out more often or guilt for not, you know, asking her how she was doing more often or uh, saying thank you more often. Actually, she was like a huge supporter of one of I curated my first gallery show um, in February, I believe it was. And she was like the biggest supporter. And she gave like a speech at our opening reception sort of like talking about the work that I put into it. And it meant so much coming from her as a mentor. And so, yeah, I think as far as grief goes though, like I just don't think it's one of those things that happens quickly with me personally. Um, I like to be distracted, but then you get that guilt of feeling like, Oh shoot, like it's been weeks and I've been busy and I haven't thought about her or I haven't thought about, you know, anyone else that we've lost, such as Jason, who's gone. And that's, and like grandparents and other close mm-hmm. um, friends or family members, like all of a sudden you'll realize it one day and you'll be like, holy crap. And you feel guilty for not thinking about them more often. Or, you know, if you're religious, saying a prayer for them or for reminiscing or something, um, keeping their memory alive. And I think there's a lot of grief that comes with there's a lot of guilt that comes with grief. I think those two things like go hand in hand, um, at least for me personally. But I would say as far as coping, I have found recently, and this is something that I've started to realize like in my late 20s, is that I I need to talk about like the inevitability of your life ending. I need to talk about the inevitability of time and this like wonderful opportunity we have on this earth right now. Um, I need to talk about it or else it seems too big and scary and I don't know how to handle it. I'm the complete opposite. Oh, really? Complete. You're like, I didn't know we were going here and I'm sitting here. I'm like, I'm going to need an Ativan. Lorazepam. <laughs> but yeah, I'm the complete opposite. I, nope, let's not, nope, we're not going to talk about it. That's what so I I'm not going to I'm not going to go. You can talk about it here, but like in my, like not podcast, yeah. Like myself, nope. Let's just not talk. About well, it. and I don't want to go into depth about it because I will give myself my panic attack. But I think for me personally, like I wasn't talking about it for so long, and I had so many fears about like, um, death and loss, and like loved ones being gone, and like not knowing not knowing how to process it, and. I don't think that my family like talks about it enough. And so therefore in my head, I think I built it up to be this really, really scary thing. And you're right. Like I would literally, I would go into an absolute panic attack and have to go pop a lorazepam um, and need to like take the night and totally do some deep breathing and distract myself with anything I could possibly find, which was usually a romance novel. But I have found in the last like year or two that, it doesn't help anymore. Like I can't avoid it anymore. And I almost need to to just address it. 
Yeah. And so like, and that's something I've been working through in therapy. That's not something that I want to like bring up with my husband. Like, I don't want to put my fears or my, you know, my own grief or my own anxieties onto someone else who's also going through their own. But I've told him like, if you want to talk about it, I too like to talk about it. And so that's what I'm using my therapy for these days is really to sort of dissect like, first of all, why am I, why do I have these like fears? And I honestly think they come from not talking about it for so long. Do I can tell you though, death and losing people has from day one of my anxiety it's always been that. Like, as a little kid, panic attacks about death and losing people. Oh, and, wow. Oh, yeah. So you're not alone. No, this is always, like, this is one of my biggest things. And it's a lot with my OCD, too. Um, and was that, like, was that triggered by losing someone or did it come out of nowhere? Like n- uh, Nowhere. I am a very lucky person and I had all of my grandparents into my 20s. But I also have young parents. Mm. Um, so that made sense but no like I lost like great aunts and stuff but I wasn't close to them and I didn't like could never fully comprehend losing someone and Mm. I think that kind of like I built it up in my head like you but I still push it off and I can't talk about it but I will go into it here for a little bit um for me I always thought losing certain people was going to kill like not kill me but like i was just yeah. gonna be sad forever and like i actually had my great-grandmother until 2019 wow and i thought losing her i was like that's just gonna be the end of me um well because grief can feel all consuming it can feel like you're drowning mm-hmm. and you'll never get out of it and it's so hard to say like oh no no like it will pass it will but like no matter if you say it or if someone tells you it or anything like you're not going to believe it in the moment because you feel like you're literally just under a million pounds of water and just being like the pressure of it can feel all-consuming yeah and like but like building it up in our heads too though like we just think about that pressure when yes I grieved my my great-grandmother um but also like just went straight into oh wow she had an amazing life and I'm so thankful she was in my life she lived till 98 years old um and then immediately that spring like still grieving but was so thankful that she passed before COVID and for real oh my gosh um but hers yeah I mean sobbed funeral super sad but also I think my grief changes from person to person um Oh, for sure. My life. Um, And of course, she meant the world to me. um, But she was 96. Like you said, yours was sudden. Um, Well, I also think that, like, like, I I find I find that, like, when I lose another person, it's almost like the previous people have lost before that. It's like compounded. It's almost like you re grieve the people you lost before. So losing Kelly and like even though she was 60 and she lived such a full life but she still had so much more to go so much but more. losing her at like that age knowing that like it was before her time made me think of Jason made me think of like other people mm-hmm. that we have lost that had so much more to give and i think it's almost like it like reopens an old wound whereas like um Phil's grandparents passed during COVID. That was really, really hard. But we also knew that like they were 
um, like really active in their lifetime. They had, they lived well like into their lives. They had done so much in their lives and made so many memories that the funeral, it was different. It, it was, was just to celebrate, like truly yeah. celebrate and be like, they, they yes. got to do, they got to do everything that they wanted. And it was a, a sad that they're gone, but also a like, wow, let's talk about all the amazing things they did. And that in itself was a salt, like just hearing those stories, like kept their memories alive. It's like, I have to remember that when I, when I think about Kelly, when I think about Jason, like I, I want to talk about their stories because I know that's what keeps them alive in my heart. It is just that compounding grief every time you lose someone new that just, it, it reminds me that they were gone too soon. Um, and so it's so easy to like spiral in that and then get like lost in that thought yeah. process of like mortality and like, Oh my God. And they didn't know it was so sudden, but like to remember those good times that they experienced and the good times that like you and I experienced with them, that is so positive and helpful for me. But I don't honestly think that the grieving process is like a start stop. It like, I, and I don't even think it gets like lighter with time. I, I honestly think that everyone grieves at their own process and that you regrieve people at different points in your life over the years. Like I, I think I will be looking back on that, um, first gallery that I was able to curate with Kelly for the rest of my life because it was the first gallery and she was so supportive and I will always be grateful for her support over the years. And then that will be completely tied into, you know, the memories that I have of her and that's going to come back over and over and over, over the years. Um, but to bring it back to like, like our processing, the questions, the guilt, the acceptance, I honestly, I know there are stages of grief and I know people say you work your way through them. I think I ping pong and hit reverse. Like, yes. <laughs> Sorry, it made me laugh. Julie, Julie's face sure. blew up. <laughs> because I'm, Oh, yeah. It's- yeah, I mean, I feel like I go through it. I'm angry and then I've accepted something and then I'm guilty and then I've accepted something. And then even when I feel like I've gotten to a point where, okay. I've, I've come to terms with this and, you know, I've honored them and I'm looking towards the future while, you know, honoring their memory. I will then re-grieve all over again some point at a later time. One and thing, so like, can I, one memory, yeah. keep up, you're like, a smell it. of something, the look of something, like oh, an experience. Triggers. Sounds like an episode we have. <laughs> Sounds like something we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't think it's linear. I honestly think it's a giant spider web and it just comes bouncing all around. Um, and that there's no right way to do it. And I think that's the whole point of my rambling um, monologue here is that there's no right way to grieve ever for any person. And it's going to be different for every person. And it's just going to change over your lifetime too as you change it will change your yeah. reaction will change i wanted to i want to mention um my papa who i lost um the summer of 2020 like honestly hospitals were still locked down um but mm. we were we were some of the first people to get to have an actual service um and so my papa had severe dementia mm. um I I'm like immediately similar to my my great grandmother um 
was just kind of ha- for him happy he wasn't suffering. Granted, my great grandmother wasn't suffering. Um, at least, like, yeah, she had a rough couple months at the end. But like, my papa had dementia for a very long time and like hallucinations and like, and he was afraid and it right. It was That's just really bad. hard. Um, so I think I said goodbye to him years ago. Um, before it mm. fully took him. Um, and like I st- like I would visit all the time and honestly I feel bad laughing, but some of his hallucinations were funny. Um, but I would he'd be worried about something. I was like, Papa, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I got it. He's like, I gotta go do this. Um, and I'm like, No, I, I got it. And then he looked at me one day and goes, You're such a good boy. <laughs> Because I had my hat on and I have, if you haven't seen a picture of me, I don't have much hair. But when I have my hat on, I have like no hair. Um, and I was like, thanks, Papa. I love you. Um, and one time we we're outside and he had a walker. And he um, thought it was a lawnmower. <laughs> and he was pretending, like, not pretending, in his head he was cutting the grass. And then it didn't, it stopped working. So he flipped it over. Oh my gosh. And I put my foot in front of it before he flipped it over. Abby, he lost his shit on me saying, why would I ever put my foot in front of a running lawnmower? Oh and I was like, I'm so sorry, Papa. So like even during his dementia, like I have happy memories, but I did my yeah. grieving and goodbye for the years as it was building up. I, I honestly think that's so important to bring up because like I, and I've told you about this, like my day job is as a writer and I write for a lot of companies that offer senior, um, like living situations for people with, uh, who need assisted living or just independent living or memory care. And so I do a lot of writing about dementia and Alzheimer's and my grandmother is a dementia and Alzheimer's coach. Um, and my and, grandmother has Alzheimer's yeah. and my papa had dementia. <laughs> right. So I, I think it's really important though, to mention that like, you can grieve while someone is still alive. And it makes me think of like, I, I personally haven't lost like a close family member to cancer, but I haven't lost a close family member, um, to cancer, but I imagine like that that is kind of a process as well. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes on when, when someone is like losing their faculties is losing their you know, their memories or is having trouble with memory or is suffering from um, an illness of some sort, there is like a grieving process that happens while they're sort of still around. Um, Because you are also, you're not just grieving the loss of them, you're grieving the like, the normalcy of life with them, essentially. Um, And what your relationship previously was, because your relationship is changing. And you even sort of mentioned it when you were talking about Dunk, that you know, you were that last day, like you guys knew that he wasn't doing well and that he was going to have to be put down. And you, you literally said while you were describing it earlier, like I was grieving that day, like I was crying, I was enjoying my time with him, but you know, like you were going through the motions in that moment. And there's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of that that happens. But then I also think there's a lot of that that didn't get to happen while people were in COVID. Um, you know, we weren't having those interactions. We weren't watching someone develop dementia or we weren't noticing the signs of someone getting sick or, um, and that's, I honestly think that it mimics the same sort of symptoms that a sudden death, 
like the grief you have for a sudden death mimics. And so like that it can feel unreal because it happens so suddenly. And, and you weren't seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. if I hadn't already said goodbye to my papa with his dementia and it happened when I couldn't see him, like I, I was definitely sad that I missed out on months with him, but we would do outside visits when we could. Right. Um, but yeah, no, very, very um, difficult when you aren't seeing someone and then they suddenly die. Yeah. And I, it makes me think a lot about uh, you and I are both super lucky to like live near a lot of our family members yes very um, lucky. and never mind like in the same area or region or state or whatever I mean literally same country like there are people who like move away for a job or something and then family passes away and they haven't seen them for years and that that has got to be just a totally different level of grief because you you know, you have the fact in your head, like, okay, realistically, I know that person's gone. But like, if I would, I would have trouble not just picking up my phone and calling that person or like, mm -hmm. just assuming that they were still there because I hadn't seen them in so long. Um, and so I feel like there's so many different types of grief. And they're all valid. Yeah, all, every single one of them. Um, Because I was thinking back, like, Duncan was in my house every day and I, I mean, I was, I worked from home and, um, it still doesn't feel real. Like I like, am still waiting for him in so many different places. Um, mm. and I can only like imagine if it was sudden and I hadn't been seeing him. Right. Um, and I, um, am honestly in the. So my my grandmother, not, not my papa's wife, my um my grandmother on the other side, with her Alzheimer's, um. I just realized I wasn't close enough to the mic. Sorry. Um, my grandmother with Alzheimer's. I don't know if I fully have f grieved her not being who she is, but I also have a very hard time visiting her, um, mm. in her nursing home, um, because. I feel like I grieve for all the people that are in there when I walk in the doors. Oh, um, yeah. Because I hate that they're in there mm. and that we live in a world where they that's the safest place for them. No, well, mm, depends. Um, but that is our main option for that time. Mm. And mm -hmm. it is like, I don't really grieve her when I walk in there because she doesn't know where she is. She thinks it's her apartment. But I yeah. grieve so much for the people that do know where they are. Yeah. Um, and my parents are going away in a few weeks and I have to go and visit her. And like, I love visiting her. I do. But I can't get through those doors and I have to be the one. And that's going to be difficult. I will go with you. you she would love to. She'll ask if you're my girlfriend. Oh, heck yeah. It. I come out Let's to go. my grandmother every time I see her, though. That's so funny. <laughs> Um, the last thing I was going to say is like, when, when Jason passed away, I remember being really upset and consoling my mom while she was really upset. Um, if you and didn't, I wanted to, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt. If you didn't listen to 5.5, um, Jason is our friend who we lost to suicide seven years ago next week. Yes. Um, and I, I just wanted to like mention sort of the, like, 
grieving with others aspect of grief. Um, my mom apologized to me when Jason passed because she felt that she was grieving really hard and was leaning on me for support in that grief. And she turned to me and she said, I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm stealing your grief because he was my friend and I was closer to him than she was. Um, and it's funny. I felt the same way when Kelly passed. It was her best friend. She was so close with Kelly and Kelly was a mentor to me and basically an aunt. And I loved her desperately. But when I was crying about Kelly and I was leaning on my mom and then I really had the same realization where I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm stealing your grief. Um, and sort of this, this like irrational thought that I think a lot of people have when they're grieving that they don't have the right to grieve as hard as someone else or like watching someone else grieve and not understanding why they're having such a reaction to it. Um, my point earlier about every time we lose someone, we lose everyone before them. I feel that really strongly. Um, my husband lost a really good friend during COVID and I sobbed my entire way through her funeral. Um, and I was not particularly close with her. He was. And in that moment, I felt like I was stealing his grief. Um, and we've talked, a, I've talked to him a lot about that. I've talked to my mom a lot about that, that it's not stealing. It's not, it's just that you're processing it and you want to mourn with other people who also knew that individual because they loved them just as much as you do. Um, but as far as like sobbing at my husband's friend's funerals, I was also experiencing like the loss of the people before her too. And I was grieving for her family and I was grieving for him and their friend group. And yeah, the empathy that comes with yeah. too. And I think that like my grief shows up in tears and it I cry okay regardless of whether it's a funeral or a service or a wedding I cry anytime I enter a church I'm not religious I don't know what it is That's but I, I enter burn every time I enter a church <laughs> but it, it's one of those weird things right so I have a tendency to go to a funeral awake of something and I, I cry it's just how I express my feelings in that moment um, and a lot of other people don't do it in that moment they're not going to cry on the spot with everyone around them. That's sometimes maybe they never a, cry. Yeah, sometimes that's personal. Sometimes it's while listening to a song while you're driving home. And that, literally my point is that like mourning with others and sort of like being around a community when you've lost someone and sharing those stories is like the best way to keep their memory alive. But then also not feeling like you're stealing the grief. You're not stealing the limelight and you're not expecting. Yeah, and not expecting everyone to grieve the same way you do. It, they might look like they're not reacting to it, but they're just going to be grieving in the, in whatever way they need to grieve. Um, and I think we all just, you know, going forward, we just need to have that. We need to give like a little grace to everyone and how they're grieving. Cause I also think COVID has changed how people sort of grieve and react and grieve together. Um, and so again, yeah, grief, I just, I really think it's such like a strange, it's like such a simple word for such a complex experience for all those damn steps <laughs> that you just ping pong between ping pong sorry yes um but we did want to um wrap up more on a happy note and um 
in going with the acceptance, and we've touched on this throughout the whole episode, but for me, I really like the acceptance part, working on it with Duncan, um, but with my papa and my great-grandmother, my nanny, um, and, and with Duncan, I think my way of accepting is just thinking about all the good times. And yeah. especially with my papa, I just look upon all the times that I laughed. <laughs> uh, and I, I feel really bad laughing, but he was funny. And oh my God. Okay, those, are, those are still like cherishable moments, even though he was living in like a different reality. That's still like an experience you two shared together. Yeah. Okay, I got to tell you one because this is funny. So he, um, was an escape artist um <laughs> and he, yes very like we had alarms on the doors um and then um the city he lived in um the police department offered these tracking bracelets mm. but the thing about it is a police officer has to come in to put it on <laughs> person the police, i'm there when it's happening the police officer walks in my papa turns to me and goes what i do <laughs> And I'm like, this time, nothing. I'm like, you're good. They're here to help. And I love that his immediate reaction was like, oh, shit, what did I do this time? He was like, and I don't think the, I don't think the man was ever arrested in his life. Um, but he, he, I'm sure he was a troublemaker as a kid, um, just knowing him because he was a troublemaker his the whole life that I knew him. Um, but yeah, what I do? And I'm like, nothing, Papa. You're fine. They're just here to help. I swear that man was probably shaking as they put it on and then he was like so happy when they left and i was just like oh you're good gosh. you're good you're good buddy um <laughs> but i look that's my acceptance is looking at things like that is like just the silly little things he did and like i was able to find those silly and laugh in the moment because i did my grieving um as he progressed but then the the funniest like he just was funny um that's so wonderful i'm so glad you have those like memories you know those moments with him even if he didn't know who you were even if he didn't know where he was like in those moments you guys were enjoying each other's company yep i'd bring him a donut and his coffee and uh we would just chill one day he's holding on to the dog's collar like death grip and i'm like papa what's what's going on um and he thought that the roof of the house was a runway and that the dog <laughs> yeah Dementia does not make sense, just like grief doesn't always make sense. So he was holding on to the dog's collar tight as can be because he thought if he let the dog go, he was going to run upstairs and get hit by an airplane. Oh, my god! I had to go and be like, Papa, I blocked the stairs. He can't get up there. Don't worry. And like, it honestly is like is like a child. And like, I, yeah. was, I was I mean, I babysat him like times like yeah. I sit with him. Um. And he was just, like, he would slowly let his grip go. But, like, that's my acceptance with him. It's just thinking of all the fun times, even in the end, that we had. And mm. um, with my nanny, of course, think back, um, just the good talks we had. And, um, she didn't have dementia. She was 98 years old and had flipping every memory, like this woman, these conversations we had. Um, and I, that's what I miss. Like, I wish I recorded them. Mm. Um, yeah. But I'm not, I don't feel guilty about that. I know she told me them. Um, so I just think back how awesome. And I think about what a badass life she lived. Like, she traveled everywhere. I need to be oh, her. so cool. Everywhere. 
Um, I think that's a good like transition to like letting the people in your lives like inspire you to live life. Oh yeah, I mean, she it totally inspired me to yeah. live my life to the fullest. Um, and that's why there's a oh there's a uh, TikTok or a reel or whatever going around saying how how do you do things like that are so scary and it's like how do you get yourself to do them it's like i do things scared yeah yeah i went cage diving with sharks because i thought it was going to be flipping awesome but i was scared to death the entire time yeah and i just, just do, do it scared. scared but it's the people in my life who like my nanny i just gonna keep doing things scared so i see the world and i think as far as losing kelly I think I'm still processing. I think it's going to take a while. I think it's still it's fresh. too fresh. But I will say I'm just so grateful for the love of art that she sort of instilled in our relationship. Um, and I will think about her every time I'm in a gallery or I'm at a museum or I'm looking up art online or <laughs> thinking about the uh, the Quincy Adams family history or anything. Um, to do with their family history i'm my namesake abigail adams um you know i i will think about her whenever i think of them whenever i think of history whenever i think of art and i hope that that's like a way to honor her and to keep her memory alive um and i'm just grateful for like the years the years that we had together the years that she had with my mom the years that she had with her kids the years that she had to offer amazing things to the city um and i i think that like acceptance doesn't have to look a certain way either i think grief looks a weird way and i'm going to continue grieving her and processing my grief but i also think acceptance comes in a variety of different hues and colors too and sometimes um, it can disappear and come back again yeah and for yours like yours is humor you know with your grandfather like that's wonderful and with kelly it's it's art and beauty and like if i see art and i see beauty i think of kelly i think of what she felt and how important that was to her in her lifetime um and so i think that sort of that acceptance piece that making peace with it um without having them in our lives but trying to find other ways to honor them in our lives is really important Um, I say um a lot. I agree is what I'm going to say. Uh, honoring them. And, um, I think my last thing I'm going to wrap up was with just happy memories of my Duncan. Um, cause I really, I really wanted to do this episode to honor him for me. Like, and people mm -hmm. might be listening like, it was a dog, but like you said, nope, he was my family. Yeah. He was another sibling. He, he, he was the fifth sibling. You know, but then again, so does my brother. So... <laughs> Maybe maybe he was blood related. Um, <laughs> I hope they listen to this episode. <laughs> I talked to him yesterday, you know, two days ago, and he's like, "I'm behind," and I'm like, "Oh yeah?" He's like, "Yeah, I only listened to episode one." It's like, "Thanks." Very behind, sir. Yeah, he'll get there. He's busy working, dad. But um, Duncan, um, I love you, and I look back on him with humor too, with howling every time the damn phone rang. During therapy, during meetings with my boss, um, running through the woods. I don't know if I'll ever step foot in my woods again. I, I will because it was my happy place, but it'll be filled with tears. Um, 
but I am so thankful he didn't have to suffer. Even though it was sudden, I know we made the right decision, and he gave me the most 11 amazing years and was my my buddy through all my hard um my hard times uh, with my mental illness so i'm very thankful for him so we will be back in a few short seconds with the song of the episode and the book of the episode we got to find a song i know i have to find a book <laughs> All right, so the book of the episode is the first novel in my favorite book series ever. Like, ever. Okay, as an adult. But anyways, it's Moon Calls by Patricia Briggs, and it's the first book in her Mercy Thompson series. Um, I'm deviating a little bit from my typical romance suggestions because this this one's very much like urban fantasy. Um, it does have paranormal romance in it, supernatural angle to the storyline. Um, but it's not 100% a romance novel. And like I said, it's one of many. So it's the same main character throughout this whole series. Um, there is a love interest. There's a lot of action. There's... Uh, like I said, it's urban fantasy, which means it takes place like the city and the life of the city is very much like a part of the story. Um, and she, Mercy Thompson uh, is a Volkswagen mechanic and she is badass. So as a young female uh, growing up with a lot of brothers uh, and just always wanting to be that badass character she was like my absolute role model she's who i wanted to be um so for sure go pick this up i promise you'll love it um and if you like more if you like the story i have more suggestions similar to this one so it's moon called by patricia briggs um the song of the episode um this week was actually really easy for me um Driving home from Abby's last time we were together doing a podcast, um, when we came up for the idea to do a podcast episode for Jason, um, I was playing my uh, L3 po- um, L3 playlist, and this song came up again, um, and it's the hardest part. Um, it's the song by Alexander23, um, and we can't play a clip, but I am going to read a line, or a few lines. Um, And this one really is for Jason, but it's for all grief. Um, It says, I never said goodbye, and now it's sinking in that the last time I saw you, we were kids. I guess the hardest part of getting old is that some people that you love don't. Um, And that that line, the last time I saw you, we were kids, really hits for Jason. And um, I didn't get to say goodbye. And, uh, man, I love you, Jason. But that song, um, Get Ready for Some Waterworks. I played a few seconds for Abby. We only listened to a few seconds. Um, but yeah, take a listen. Let me know what you think. Um, bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at live, laugh, lorazepam and slide into our DMs to share your story or provide feedback. Make sure you subscribe. If you or anyone you know are experiencing suicidal thoughts, or any mental health distress, please call the suicide hotline. Nine.
888.